Welcome to this service of worship at Prairie Street Mennonite Church. This is the second Sunday of Advent, season in which we wait with expectation for the coming of our Lord, for the light of the world. We sing, Come, Light of the World. Number three in the Green Book, Sing the Story, Kyle will lead us. And those who are able, please stand. From Psalm 66, make a joyful noise to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Because of your great power, your enemies cringe before you. All the earth worships you. They sing praises to you. Sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds among mortals. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There we rejoiced in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let the rebellious not exult. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard who has kept us among the living and has not let our feet slip. Let's pray. 
Your deeds, O God, are awesome. You made the world out of nothing. You brought light out of darkness. In this Advent season, we await your coming. We have heard the sound of angels. And even now, we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. And now in the blue hymnal, number 211, Lo, How a Rose Air Blooming.
It is good for us to confess our sins before God. To aid us in doing so, I would ask you to turn to number 129 in the Green Sing the Journey book. Let us uh, read together. O God, before whose face we are not made righteous even by being right, free us from the need to justify ourselves by our own anxious striving, that we may be abandoned to faith in you alone, through Jesus Christ. Amen. Sisters and brothers, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us then share Christ's peace with the world and with each other. The peace of Christ be with you. The paz de Cristo sea contigo. And now the children may come forward for children's time. This morning, it's tired. How, why are you tired? Oh, okay, you had to wake up early. Um, hopefully, you're not too tired to pay a little bit of attention. I'm going to send this offering basket around. It's I'm not sure right now what the offering for children's offering is, but it is to bless the ministry of the church. But I want to start with a little paying attention thing. Let's take a look at the congregation and how many people are wearing a color, if not exactly this one, a lot like this. There's one right here. That's sort of similar. But look back there. Oh my gosh, I see another and another and another. And another at the piano. Wave your arm there, Eleanor. There are six people wearing that corner color. And just a moment ago, I met a couple wearing color very similar to this one. Can you find them? There, it's a husband-wife team, and they're doing matching outfits this morning. Unintentionally, I think. <laughs> now, sometimes... Seeing God is about paying attention. And I was, I was hoping to find a plant in my house, our house, to help me with this. But I'm going to have to take a look, ask somebody to take a look at this plant here and see if you notice anything about some of these little branches. Would somebody come take a look? Come, come up, take, come here, take a look. See if you notice anything 
What, what, what is the difference between this one and this one here? Do you don't want to come take a look? Okay, come take a look at it. Here, look here. Now, take a look here. There, there are these branches, right, that are, that are, what color is the stem there? Brown, and what color are the, the these aren't leaves, these are, thi thi what do you call them? Needles. They're green. Now, do you think this one will eventually get green needles? Not anymore, right? Because it's been cut off. But, but were it let to grow, that's new growth. Because see, it's, it's pink. It's, it's sort of a burgundy color. So that's new growth. All along here, you see new growth, new growth. Here, you see new growth, but that's from a different plant. And so the old growth and the new growth are look different. And in this particular case, I wonder if this was cut off and then these things started to grow. Aha, don't just shake your head. If you look in your garden, you'll see lots of plants that when you cut them off or when they're broken down, they start to grow. And did you know that peanuts Peanuts grow in a lot of places. But in West Africa, when we first were in West Africa, I was walking through a field with a guy, and there were all these plants, every about, about this distance, just over a foot. All these plants, and we're talking, and you know what he did? He'd put his foot down and he'd stomp on it like that. And then he'd go to the next one and he'd stomp on it while we were talking. And I thought, either this guy used to smoke, and he was used to, that's a joke, okay? <laughs> anyway, so he was, put, he was, he was stepping, off, all, stepping on all these plants. I said, What's your, what, what, what are these plants? Why are you stepping on them? And he said, they're, they're peanuts, they're ground nuts. Well, a ground nut, if you plant the seed, a peanut, it will grow up as a, as a stem, and there will be a few branches starting to grow. But if you step on it, guess what happens? What? It, 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 it sends down new roots. See, there are little spots like along here on this, this new growth here. There are little places where they're going to send new roots into the ground. And so instead of having one single plant that has roots like this, that when they pull them out, it has a few ground nuts, peanuts, in their shells. When you stomp it down like that, that whole circle where the, the shoots have been crushed down, that sends down roots. And instead of pulling out a little scrawny thing like this, you pull out a whole big plant. And, and that's something to remember for a sec here, okay? Ben just read this, this passage in Psalms, chapter 66. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept us among the living. God has kept us among the living and has not let our feet slip. That, 
that makes me think about that. You know, we feel crushed sometimes, like that peanut plant. You know? But God gives us the means to send down new roots and the plant grows bigger. There's this same thing with this song here we just sang. Lo, how a rose air bloometh. I don't know if anybody knows, Lois Martin isn't here today, but Lois has a whole bunch of roses in, her, in front of her house. And if you watch every year, she goes through those roses and she clips all of them. She cuts off the old growth and what happens? Every spring, Lots of new growth. Our passage this morning in the Bible talks about, talks about the stump of Jesse. And, and that reminded me of how God works sometimes through times when people feel beaten down and so forth, that there's this shoot that sends out, that comes out, that's new growth. You know, and that new growth brings promise of a new future. Even though the stump sits there, the stump doesn't go away. The new growth comes out of the stump. And then one last fascinating fact. <laughs> Who thinks, do, do, do bananas, has anybody seen a banana plant? When pictures or the real thing. You like bananas, don't you? But you know what? Do you know how bananas grow? How? Yeah, they grow bigger. Does anybody else know how they grow? They go on a tree. You gave me the, the key word. No, they don't. They grow in Central America, but on trees? No. Look it up. It's grass. It's, it's actually grass. Bananas come out of grass. Look it up. They, they have, you have this one little shoot like this. It'll grow tall, way tall, big leaves. And then a stem grows out and the bananas grow on that stem. But down at the bottom, what's happening once it gets to that point where the big one's going to die? Down at the base, there are new plants shooting out. That's the way God does things. Out of stumps comes new growth. There you go. Give me five. Okay. God of grace and mercy, thank you for filling your earth with lots and lots of examples of how your love overcomes in times of suffering and loss. And we pray that you will be with each one of these children, that as they face times of difficulty, you will provide new insight, new growth, new love to help them through it, to help them see a way forward. We know, Lord, that you are with us in times of difficulty and you keep our feet from slipping. 
This we give thanks for in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The scripture reading for today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, the first 10 verses. La escritura de hoy viene del libro de Isaías, capítulo 11, versículos 1 a 10. Una vara saldrá del tronco de Isaí, un vástago retornará de sus raíces. Sobre el Reposará el Espíritu del Señor, el Espíritu de sabiduría y de inteligencia, el Espíritu de consejo y de poder, el Espíritu de conocimiento y de temor del Señor. Su deleite será temer al Señor, no juzgará según las aparencias ni dictará sentencia según los rumores. Defenderá los derechos de los pobres y dictará sentencias justas en favor de la gente humilde de país. Su boca será la vara que hiera la tierra. Sus labios serán el ventarrón que mate al impío. La justicia y la fidelidad serán el cinto que ceñirá su cintura. El lobo convivirá con el cuero, el leopardo se acostará junto al cabrito, el becerro, el león y el animal engordado andarán juntos y un Chequillo los pastoreará. La vaca y la osa pasarán, sus crías se echarán juntas, y el león comerá paja como buey. El niño de pecho jugará sobre la cueva del áspid, y el recién destetado extenderá su mano sobre la cueva de la víbora. Nadie hará mal ni daño alguno en ninguna parte de mi san, santo monte porque la tierra estará saturada del con, con, conocimiento del Señor así como las aguas cubran al mar. Cuando llegue ese día sucederá que los pueblos irán en busca de la raíz de Isaí, la cual se plantará como estandarte de las naciones y su habitación será gloriosa. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, 
but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall lie, live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf, and the lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. The word of the Lord. La palabra del Señor. Our preacher this morning is Andrea Baker-Dean, a part of our congregation and a graduate of the seminary. <laughs> we pray for her this morning. God, we pray that you would empower Andrea to preach the word and give us the capacity to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The passage we heard read this morning is a beautiful vision of the peaceable kingdom. This passage is familiar to many of us through hymns and songs um, that we, we often sing at this time of year, um, paintings and art of um, d these different kinds of animals together that you would never expect to see um, dwelling peacefully together. Um, the image of the shoot growing out of the stump, this seemingly impossible or at least unexpected growth. And we often hear um, this text read during Advent, as we did this morning. It is from chapter 11 of the book of Isaiah. This is the first part of Isaiah, which is a collection of, of prophecies from Isaiah, son of Amos, who lived in Jerusalem in the second half of the 8th century BCE. This was during the time when um, the, the Assyrian Empire was rising, ex coming to power, expanding, um, and either taking over or demanding tribute of, um, of the countries around it. And this included um, Israel and Judah. So this is the, the time that Isaiah is living in. This is, this is when he is prophesying to the people of Israel. 
we hear um, the, this beautiful vision this morning, but there are passages in Isaiah we hear less often. Um, just earlier in chapter 10, there's this, we hear this uh, word of prophecy. Ha, Assyria, rod of my anger, who is a staff in the hand of my fury. I send him, that is Assyria, against an ungodly nation, that is Israel. I charge him against a people that provokes me to take its spoil and to seize its booty and to make it a thing trampled like the mire of the streets. Very different, very violent. Um, and at this time, as Assyria was growing, the small kingdoms um, sometimes looked to Egypt, another empire to the south, for support because they were, wanted to revolt against Assyria. The northern kingdom of Israel did this and um, revolted against Assyria and was unsuccessful, was destroyed um, by Assyria in 722 BCE and its people, um, many of its people deported. And this is the time that Isaiah is living through. So he sees this kind of violence happening. He knows that this is real. Um, he sees as well as prophesies. Isaiah lived in a dark time. But why, um, why is there, this is, this is actually an image of punishment. Why, why would Isaiah think that, you know, this is going to be punishment of the people of Israel? Well, Isaiah is also seeing what's happening in his own society and among his own people. Isaiah, like Micah, like Amos, prophesies against um, the, the injustice that's happening. At, at this time, um, wealth is being centralized. Um, those, the wealthy have increasing estates, and um, the peasants have um, decreasing... Not sure what I was going to say just now. Um, and the, so the, there's a wealth disparity... Um, people are increasingly struggling. And those who are wealthy are very haughty and sort of assume that this is the way things should be. So um, just a little ways earlier, also in chapter 10 of Isaiah, we hear, Ha! Those who write out evil writs and compose iniquitous documents to subvert the cause of the poor, to rob of their rights the needy of my people, that widows may be their spoil and fatherless children their booty. And in the first chapter of Isaiah, very succinctly, he actually says, your hands are stained with crime. Isaiah lived in a dark time. But Isaiah doesn't stop with these accusations of injustice and the visions of destruction and punishment. He's, he prophesies that in the wake of destruction, a remnant will survive, that God will, will save and restore a remnant um, in Jerusalem. 
So after these couple passages I just read and before what we heard this morning, still in chapter 10, we hear this. And in that day, the remnant of Israel and the escaped of the house of Jacob shall lean no more upon him that beats it, that is, Assyria, but shall lean sincerely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. And in that day, his burden shall drop from your back, and his yoke shall leave your neck. And so from that prophecy, we move to the one we heard this morning, of a kingdom, the kingdom of Israel being restored, but not just coming back to power. Um, not only you know, does the king have power again, but this is a kingdom with justice and wisdom and peace throughout the land. So now um, the, the, the kingdom is restored. Everyone is treated well within the kingdom. People outside look to it for counsel and give it honor. So we, we heard this morning of um, this just ruler with a spirit of wisdom and insight, of counsel and valor, devotion and reverence for the Lord. We hear of these animals living together in peace unexpectedly um, and, little, and safe, um, it's safe for little children among these snakes and lions. So this, this part of Isaiah, um, these prophecies of Isaiah, son of Amos, move among these themes. And so we, we go back and forth and we hear the prophecy of destruction and then we hear the prophecy of, of salvation, of preservation and salvation. Um, we hear the, um, the awful things that are being done within the kingdom, within, this, um, within Israel now, and then we hear what is to be. But what Isaiah was living through at the time was the fear, the violence, the fear of violence, was the oppression. That's what he was seeing around him. So how does he, how is he able to see this vision? How can he, how can Isaiah um, believe this vision and preach it to the people? in the midst of this. Well, we live in dark times. I know that many of us feel um, a weight, a leaden burden, when we look and see injustice and violence within our own country, our own society, when we look outside and see danger, see destruction. It can feel overwhelming or paralyzing. Um, I share this. This is from my own experience. This is from talking to other people. This is from reading the newspaper. Um, I think that when we are so aware of all the bad things, all the hard things, um, all the things that are wrong, we can lose hope. We can lose our motivation for working for others, for working for good, um, or our motivation for doing the basic um, tasks of daily life, caring for ourselves and our families. So in the midst of all this 
darkness and heaviness, what good is this vision of light, um, of beauty, of justice? Is this sort of trying to escape reality? Is this avoiding the truth of, of what's really happening? So I'd like us to hold these questions for a moment and we'll come back to them. As I had been thinking about reading this um, passage and thinking about Isaiah's vision, a line from a poem kept coming to my mind. It's vision held open in the dark. This line is from a poem by Wendell Berry. The focus of this poem is, is actually work and rest work and Sabbath, the interplay of the two and the need for both. But I think this, this poem also speaks to work and vision, that there is an interplay here between work and vision, that we need them both, that they may support each other. The poem begins, whatever is foreseen in joy must be lived out from day to day. Vision held open in the dark by our 10,000 days of work. These lines are helpful for me. They remind me, someone who tends to live in ideas and in dreams, um, of the work that's involved in bringing a dream to reality, um, or even simply a bit closer to reality, of the work that's involved in um, actualizing an idea. I can't just dream the dreams, I have to work the work. But in the context of Isaiah's vision, this vision he holds open in the midst of the darkness around him, I wonder if the reverse is also true. Do we need vision to find the courage to do the work? Is it in the image of joyful possibilities even those that seem far from our current reality, that we find the strength for our day-to-day -day life, that we find the strength to, to do work caring for ourselves and for others. Um, there's a story of a doctor in training that I think helps to illuminate um, the power of vision. This is a doctor um, in training. He's overwhelmed by the broken system around him. The story is told by Rachel Naomi Remen, who is a physician and counselor to people with cancer, in her book, My Grandfather's Blessings. So the young doctor, John, is in a pediatric training program at a hospital. The director of John's training program sends him to Rachel for counseling because of his bad attitude. He has been insulting and offending everyone he works with. And John is skeptical about the process of counseling. He is uncomfortable with anything that feels soft. But over several sessions, he comes and Rachel listens to him share his resentment towards the medical residency system, his fierce anger about the incompetence and the lack of caring of his fellow students and staff. During John's final session with Rachel, she leads him in an imagery exercise, which he is not especially comfortable with. 
he, um, she leads him in, in um, envisioning, in paying attention to what he sees in his mind's eye, what comes to his mind, what images come to mind. He becomes aware of a figure robed in white. So John is skeptical, hesitant, but Rachel encourages him to continue to watch this image in his mind. He sees a bird come to rest on the figure's hand and realizes this, this person is St. Francis. John doesn't think of himself as religious, but he has long felt an affinity for St. Francis, who represents gentleness and care toward all living creatures, especially those who are most vulnerable. When Rachel hears John describe his vision of St. Francis, she sees that despite John's frustration and anger, being a pediatrician is actually good work for him. She asks John why he chose this work. He says, and he responds, I thought I could become a friend to innocent life. And she tells him he does this every day. After a silence, John says, I guess I focus a lot on how badly others are doing, don't I? Yes, Remen res Naomi responds, and they may be doing badly. But I let myself forget why I'm here in the first place, John realizes. This session is the last time that Rachel spoke with John. But she later heard from his residency director who tells her he really straightened up, an extraordinary doctor, very dedicated, an inspiration to us all. John was overwhelmed by the suffering and the broken system that he saw. He was so caught up in all of it that he lost track of what he had to offer, of the thing he was called to do, the thing that had called him to this work in the first place. It's his vision of St. Francis during the guided imagery session that loosens things up for him, that reminds him of his call to be a good pediatrician, to be a friend to innocent life. When he rediscovers this reason, he's able to do the work that he is called to despite the darkness around him. Just like John, just like us, Isaiah lived in a dark time, and some of his prophecies reflected this darkness around him, yet he also shared visions of light and life, of justice and peace. With the vision we hear this morning, the prophet strives to remind the people of Israel who they are, whose they are, and what they are called to be in the midst of the devastation and destruction that still lie ahead. They are to honor and revere the Lord only, not rich people, not large empires. They themselves are not to be haughty and arrogant, but to uphold the rights of the orphan and defend the cause of the widow. They are invited to foresee and joy, a restored and peaceable kingdom, a reign of justice, peace, and devotion to the Lord throughout the land. 
This vision doesn't prevent their suffering, but gives them something to hold on to in the midst of it. And indeed, these um, prophecies have been saved and passed on throughout the, this time of the rise of Assyria, followed by the rise of Babylon, followed um, by any number of, of empires, all the way through Rome, when, which is the setting when Jesus was born, and beyond and all the way to today, we still have these passages. We still sing them in songs, paint them in paintings, look to them to draw strength and courage and inspiration. So in the midst of our world today, what might holding on to Isaiah's vision make possible for us? What courage might we find from this vision from our visions. One of the most inspiring um, visions um, that I have recently read comes from a blog post um, by Sarah Wangershank a couple of years ago, 2015, during Advent. And she is talking about the importance of spiritual imagination and inspired by Mary's Magnificat as well as um, prophetic calls for justice, such as what we read in Isaiah. She presents us with images, with visions. She says, imagine a world armed by spirit-empowered learning communities where followers of Jesus and spiritually starved fundamentalists and even those with little faith can gather to learn the sacred texts, the deep wisdom that has emboldened countless people to become truth-tellers on behalf of the poor, the oppressed, the alien, and the stranger. Imagine a world armed with the strong arms of those who link in solidarity as communities of faith, small, intense communities where people gather and together find strength to stand firm in a counter-narrative about the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Imagine a world armed by communities with joyful chutzpah who extend their arms to provide shelter to the homeless, the refugee, and gladly sit at table with Muslims, Buddhists, and others who want to better understand our common humanity and desire to live at peace. Imagine a world where small, local bands of Jesus followers move out from the security of church pews into the world, reaching out with sturdy arms of love to touch the earth gently, peacefully, with kindness and justice for all people and all creation. This is a beautiful vision. We, so I want to hold up this vision of this call to arms. We heard about the vision the young doctor had of St. Francis. And of course, we begin with Isaiah's vision. What is your vision? What vision inspires you, gives you courage for doing the work that you are called to do, for being 
the person that God calls you to be, regardless of what's going on around, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of the fact that there's suffering that we can't prevent. What is your vision? Vision can remind us who we are as we do the small steps before us, can give us courage to do what we can in the face of what seems overwhelming. Vision keeps us going, keeps us seeking shalom, flourishing for others as well as ourselves. Let us use our spiritual imagination to be open to visions that can sustain us in trying times. What vision will you take with you as you leave today? Amen. Ushers will now come forward to take the offering. Purple sing the story number 16.
Let's pray. God, we ask that as we move into the rest of this week, you will take us by the hand and you will lead us in healthy ways. That those of us who are sick, you will strengthen. And those of us who are weary, you will give a sense of hope. That you will teach us to find vision in the darkness and that we can um, live as people faithful and free. In your name we pray, amen. Please turn into blue hymnal to number 178, 178. Come thou long expected Jesus, and please stand. May the God who created and redeemed us grant us courage to trust him with our lives and to live according to our calling as sons and daughters of the Most High God and followers of the one born for the salvation of the world. Amen. 